When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about 1996's That Thing You Do. In fact, we did our math right and we got a release schedule correct. Uh, this should be dropping the first week of October, which makes us the 25th anniversary. Uh, this is a pretty interesting milestone movie. I really like this movie, but it's also the first movie ever written and directed by Tom Hanks. Both of those distinctions. Damn. Um. And it's just a really fun movie about music and a particular uh, set in time, which is the summer of 64. Uh, It's got a great score by Howard Shore, but it's also got music uh, contributed by Tom Hanks, which apparently is a musician on the side, too, Uh, as as in addition to being an amateur typewriter collector. He's also a drummer (laughs) Uh, had uh, the 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 title song. Uh, that Thing You Do is written and composed for the film by Adam Schleisinger, uh, the bassist and songwriter for Fountains of Wayne, uh, Stacy's mom fame, of Stacy's mom fame. Um, that song actually charted on Billboard, uh, a little bit of art yeah. becoming reality. Um, it's got a lot of a, a great young cast, including Tom Everett Scott, who is also in Boiler Room. Uh, I recently saw him in Z Nation. Mm-hmm. Liv Tyler, uh, who, of course, is Princess Arwen in the Lord of the Rings series, but also starred in Armageddon and Empire Records. Oh, better known time. for Armageddon. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also stars Jonathan uh, Ske- uh, Sketch. Sketch, I think is how you pronounce that name, uh, hmm. who has kind of done a bunch of different things in, in film and, and producing. But the last thing I saw him in was Ray Donovan. Steve Zahn, who's always entertaining. He's the big comic relief in this film. Uh, you've also seen him in Joyride, uh, Dyer's, uh, Dallas Buyers Club, perhaps most famous for Saving Silverman. Ethan okay. Embry, who played this character a lot of times in the 90s, uh, yeah. uh, uh, played it on Can't Hardly Wait and Empire Records. Uh, also starring Tom Hanks. Uh, there's good early work by Charlize Theron. I think this is her first or second uh, film credit. Giovanni Ribisi, who gets a little bit of early work. Um, Chris Isaac pops his head in on this movie for a cameo. Kevin Pollack. Uh, Peter Scolari, who was famous for being Tom Hanks's co-buddy and bosom buddies. Brian Cranston drives yeah. by to show up as uh, Gus Grissom. Uh, and then he gets his whole family involved, Tom does. He gets Rita Wilson. <laughs> what a power move to showcase your smoking hot actor wife uh, as a smoking hot lounge singer uh, waitress. Colin Hanks escorts Liv Tyler to an award show. Elizabeth Hanks shows up as a board shopkeep girl. Uh, mm-hmm. it got, 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 got a little nepotism in the, the Hanks family. Uh, yeah, I, I like this film a lot. We started. Why did we do this film? Well, it's the the 25th anniversary, of course. Uh, but I, I don't know. I think we were looking for uh, prestige films. And it just you know happens that it, it coincides within a couple of months here with the anniversary. And I, I think we're both just like, yeah, I remember that movie super fondly. 
This is this is all true, but also when we're doing because uh, because we got the hankering to do this back when we did a commission for Almost Famous and we talked about the great fake music and fake bands and how mm-hmm. that thing you do also you know had this uh, this one hit wonder by the Wonders that was those genuinely catchy and original and it kind of like you know what that yeah that was a fun movie we should we should go back and watch it uh, talk about what you thought of this movie both past and present. Uh, it, it, okay. I remember this movie very fondly. I remember this song being stuck in my head for weeks after seeing this movie. Uh, I saw it in the theaters and you kind of almost had to see this movie in the theaters, which we'll talk about later. But, uh, I saw it and weeks later I was still humming this tune and it was rubbing around in my head. And, and I found all of the actors to be super likable in their own quirky ways. Uh, and this must have been the first time I had seen many of these actors because oh, yeah. I don't think I'd seen Reality Bites, which like half of these actors are in before this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it kind of introduced me to a lot of really quirky actors who would go on to do a lot of really cool things. Uh, and it's just such a whimsical view. You know, it, it's it's got I, I don't know. I, I struggle with it because like back then I remember it being super whimsical and fun and uh just a joy to watch and i watch it again um after many many years having not watched it and that part strikes me as like uh, I, I, there's something like saccharine about the whole thing but it's trying to be like this real look at what it takes to become a musician in la and th- th- there's some mismatch of tone here that that is under the surface but it's buried so well so effectively that when you're watching this movie it doesn't feel like it's a burden on the film like it's still endlessly enjoyable to watch but but there's some like tonal clash between you know kid that's how it always fucking goes with these bands right you get one hit the band <laughs> falls apart you all go back to your eerie pa Yoko shows up and fills the, the guy yeah uh-huh. right that speech that tom Hank, hanks gives and then like everything else about the way this movie is presented but fuck me if it doesn't work it's it's great yeah we talked in the almost famous review which by the time you hear this is going to be i don't know four months in our rear view mirror but we talked about how like that film took like a lot of like serious issues with the art being made and but like really sandblasted them down to where it's like it's there's really not a lot of introspection about the intersection of sex drugs rock and roll and like teenage groupies right yeah, uh, this has been further sandblasted to where <laughs> oh, it is yeah. completely sanitized and just down to the lead singer who's kind of full of himself and a little bit of a tortured artist. And he hurts his mm-hmm. girlfriend and kind of tears apart the band. And that's the only thing that goes. That's that's the only thing that went bad in this in this era of payola and record label corruption and predatory contracts <laughs> and. And and an upheaval in music itself. Like, I felt like the yeah. parents in this movie are naive, uh, oblivious. They're nothing like parents of the era would have been right. If you think about the Beatlemania and you think about I know Elvis Presley is before this, the, the setting of this movie. But sure, those type of sea changes in music with rock and roll rearing its ugly head. Right. You also have to think about how parents fucking hated it, how parents were this is going to ruin our kids. It's turning them into sex monsters. There's none of that in this movie. The parents are all like the only parent 
in the, the only adult or authority figure in this entire movie who objects in any way to the music lifestyle is only objecting because his son's not going to be around to man the fucking appliance right. store, right? He doesn't yeah. object because it's corrupting influence. He doesn't object because his kid's going off to do something frivolous with his life. It's just like, fuck, I guess I got to turn the sign off at night. <laughs> it's such a like sanitized version of that. And there is a little bit like, yeah, because like the drummer that gets replaced, which normally would be a big source of angst is just right? that. In fact, I don't think the drummer, he likes it better at the appliance store and he's making time with the guy's sister. I think yeah. you're supposed to understand like nothing, nothing really no envy. troubles the bubbles until the movies decides it's ready to be troubled. And and, uh, and then it just pops go. it. It's like. Well, yeah. and we've even got the, one even the scene here. Man. We're going to pop the whole damn thing. And even the old man is won over by the pageantry and the showmanship of his son and is completely right. fully on board by the end of the movie. So, yeah. But I like this movie because this is this was back when I was still very young. I was still a teenager. And every once in a while, like I didn't pay much attention to Oscars because most of the time the Oscars were won by these weird rated R movies that were very adult and stuff that I would never, ever be allowed to watch or even contemplate being interested in myself. But uh, I fell in love with Tom Hanks because uh, Forrest Gump, it's kind of an outrage how many Oscars it won against the competition it faced nowadays. But back Mm -hmm. in the day, like that was my fucking J that was baby's first serious film that actually wrestled with some issues and made me feel emotions. And Tom Cruise is the star of that guy. And he's playing a man of limited IQ and like, Oh my God, the acting I've never seen. uh, Dan gets his legs. And I kind of grew up with, with uh, Tom Hanks because I Mm -hmm. remember bosom buddies and how catchy the theme song was and how kind of like silly and naughty it was. These guys pretending to be women and then he was in big, big and that was another yeah. another film that i liked as like that i was like a 13 year i was like prime material for Hell that yeah. and then he made like i kind of grew up with them and he came he comes back and he makes this film which as you said has just a huge cast of appealing people i instantly fell in love with Liv tyler uh the music is like fucking jam mm-hmm. and it's a very good thing because you will hear this song <laughs> As many times as your average teenager would have heard it in the fictitious summer of 64 in this film, because it's just like you hear right. arrangements of it. 20. This is like Groundhog Day, only with a, a a song. And it's so good that you don't get. In fact, I've been humming it all damn day uh, yeah, to myself I, in the shower. I've got a theory on this, and I, I like how the movie evolves the song right it starts as this slow ballad that's like bo- boring i'm listening to them playing in the garage and i'm as bored as tom everett scott is playing the drums there yeah uh and so when he kicks it up a notch and i love how they do that i love that he just decides to fucking do that just during fucking, their first show yeah. uh and they've got to roll with it right because he sets the time he sets the the beat of the mm-hmm. song uh but but they evolve it over the course of the thing like when they're recording it for the album uh that they cut they're they put in the hand claps right uh-huh. Uh and and over the course of the movie, I think it gets more elaborate as they go. Probably the harmonies, the harmonies are harmonizing. Yep. Yeah. Probably because they're getting bored playing the song. And I think it, I don't know if this is intentional, but if it is, I think this is kind of a brilliant part of the movie is I think by the end of this movie, a lot of people probably got sick of that song, hearing it over and over and over again. Much like a one hit wonder band might get playing this song and touring the country playing at night after night after night. I, I don't know yeah. if that's intentional. 
if they're like trying to mirror the experience of being one of these bands through watching the movie but i think it works both because i think it's intentionally like they're doing it to amuse themselves but also like i think um it seems like they're discovering like they're getting better you know, like the going up tempo was sure. like one discovery of it. And then you added, like you said, the hand clapping and then like it gets a little bit more produced, and a little the bit more layered. Bassist and who can fuck jam. You getting a guy that instead and they can of Ethan Embry who's looking so. at his fucking hands. Yeah. While he's yeah. playing. Um, I guess we should we should do because like this is a 25 year old movie. We got uh, people in our audience that are not 25 years old. Um, so this might be your first um, introdu- introduction of this movie or might be a while since you've seen it so if you don't know this is a movie that's about a one-hit wonder band uh it goes from their rise uh to their peak to their their fall and it's about um you know how the individual members wrestle with their sudden fame and what it does to their you know uh feelings for each other um and it's Tom Hanks is their uh, label corporate band manager that tries to, you know, get him to, to, into a certain look and sound to try to shepherd their career. And what is, you know, like they're it, it's yeah, it's it's very short. It's breezy. There is a director's cut that I, oh, I did yeah. not know about until just last night when I mm-hmm. was looking to, you know, uh, watch this film for my notes. Uh, I kind of want to see it because it introduces whole new characters like Howie Long, uh, football, uh, the, the football player of some renown is in it. Uh, it's got 30 more like this is not an insubstantial director's cut where it's like it's got 30 seconds. Late, you know, the MPAA forced them to take out the fuck set scene. So they threw it back in. <laughs> and I don't know what it does to the film, because one of this film's many charms is it's very it's it's like a cotton candy at the state farm, man. Yeah, it just melts in your mouth. It's not something that sets you up for a whole meal. It's just it's 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 confection. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's light and breezy. And <laughs> I don't know that 35 more fucking film <laughs> minutes with with uh, centering it around Tom Hanks's character. I don't know if that if that 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 improves it. And then they kind of change the ending of it, too. Um you know, with what happens to the characters after this movie, they changed. Did that. you watch? Have you seen the director? No, cut? I haven't. Uh, I, okay. I just read a little bit about it on the Wikipedia article. Okay, uh, but I, maybe I, I'm giving this movie too much credit because I, I do think it is like a confection, like you you said. It's not meant to be any deeper than the surface layer. Um, but I, that's why I'm looking for things to give this movie credit for when I say, oh, maybe they had something more going on with the experience of this movie. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is like, I do think it's pretty remarkable that this is Tom Hanks first written and directed film. And it like it it's 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 fine. Yeah, Roger Ebert gives us three out of four stars. Yeah. This is not a, the the best movie you've ever seen, but like it's a no. very confident vision. And like the it, it, like it's kind of hard to do a period piece like this. I think it's one of the harder things to do to like, kind of nail that time and place and get the sets and get the costuming and, and even get the film, like the film stock had that kind of like, you know, surf rock beach blanket bingo kind of like look and feel where it's like maybe a little bit overexposed or maybe this film has been circulating mm-hmm. a little bit too long. The, the celluloids kind of gotten there, There's something to the texture to it. The, like the attention to detail that he's paying on all this stuff I thought was, you know, and obviously he has a full at this, at this stage in his career, 
he's got a full blown team and uh oh, yeah. you know he was also throwing his weight around as Oscar winner, you know, two time Oscar winner at this point. Tom <laughs> Hanks and uh by all accounts he didn't have any problem with that. Like a lot of times there was like battles but when what he wanted to do and the studio wanted to do and he's like, Hey, I'm big time star, Tom fucking Hanks. I of course you never know when Tom Hanks says that is he being funny? Like intentionally yeah. self-deprecating, like, oh yeah, I just rolled in there with my big Tom Hanks nuts and my typewriters uh, and said I, I think I'm inclined to say no, he's not being funny. He, that's exactly what he did. Because yeah. look at where he's at. I mean, you don't you don't have the career that Tom Hanks has without right. throwing your muscle around. It's like Steven Spielberg, right? Everybody thinks, oh yeah. Steven's probably this great guy who's fun to be around at all times. No, he's probably an asshole nineteen mm-hmm. to to fifty percent of the time. <laughs> With yeah. executives in rooms saying, no, fuck you. Amblin's going to do what it wants to do. And I'm Steven fucking Spielberg. So listen to me, <laughs> you know? Well, you know, I think it's instructive that Tom Hanks later went on to portray Mr. Rogers, who, mm, yeah. you know, is world renowned for being a nice man. But Mr. Rogers is not a pushover. Mr. Rogers did right. not show up on a set and was like, well, I guess I don't know what we're doing today. It's just a kid show. Like he was, you know, driven. He was passionate. Yep. He had a vision. He had things that he wanted to be particular. He was annoyed when people didn't take it seriously. Like, I imagine it was not a good feeling to be on Mr. Rogers bad side. If you were yep. fucking up his takes or, you know, sh- not 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 getting there where he needed to be musically or whatever. Uh, maybe um, not like being on the bad side of Christian Bale or something. But yeah, no, I mean, he probably he, is forceful in his opinion. And yeah, not it probably didn't suffer fools gladly, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think you can definitely like Tom Hanks in his public life is like, yeah, he tries to be a nice guy. But also, if you fuck with him, he's probably not going to just take it lying down. Yeah, you don't uh, have to whether get you're a studio exec or a fan or whatever. <laughs> right. Don't have to roll so, over to be a nice person. Right. He's not aggressive. But he's probably assertive. Um, and I think he did. He, he like this feels like he did exactly what he wanted to do and what he set out to do. And uh, yeah, uh, it, was, and it doesn't it was have to be to super deep. It doesn't have to be the most complex movie in the world. It, it works. It worked on me. I love this movie. Uh, yeah, I will say it didn't work on very many people. And I'm surprised because how much Tom Hanks stink is on this thing. That it was not a bigger success. I guess it had a twenty-six million dollar budget and worldwide made just thirty-five million. So it was a success, but I, there was a lot of marketing around this movie. I remember seeing uh, mm-hmm. trailers on television, all kinds of things for this movie. And this is this spawned a top forty hit. So it was like you couldn't turn on right the radio during like the the holiday season of 1996 and not hear this song. How did this Um, movie not do better? I I don't understand why this movie wasn't a bigger success with the pedigree of Tom Hanks in the nineties. He's huge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like he's, you know, he's continued to, his stature continues to grow, but like, you know, I feel like post Philadelphia, post Forrest Gump, Mm Mm-hmm. Tom Hanks was arguably the 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 most like huge biggest name recognition and a big box office draw. And yeah, I was shocked, too. I would have thought like I didn't think this movie took over the world, but I was wouldn't have it wouldn't have blown my hair back at all to see it make a hundred million dollars. But yeah, I saw the same thing like fuck. Right. Um, Maybe it's because he wasn't in it much. I mean. He's not an insignificant part of the movie, but he's not the focus of the movie. Um, he essentially ushers in the second act when he shows yeah. up. Like that's when the movie kicks off into like a, a noticeably higher gear. Um, and he is not in it. 
he's he's in it i don't know it's like it feels like um as he's in it about as much as league of their own now maybe not that much Mm, maybe the, not is that, that the much. baseball movie? I don't remember. That's the baseball movie where he's managing the, the women's team. He's in oh, that quite yeah. a bit. Okay. And I guess he doesn't show up until like the 45 minute mark of this movie. But uh, yeah, I thought he did. He did really good. There's a lot of things that like I don't understand, like a lot of things that were writerly. And I don't know whether he did this to amuse us or not, because like, um, you know, guy has an emotional uh, re- relational entanglement. But it goes away when his girlfriend falls in love with the dentist and like literally a 30 second scene of him open the door and he's a hunk and he we just never see her again. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. You know, they replace the the you know Giovanni Ribisi uh, fucks around with the guy from Empire Records, breaks his arm. And we really like next time we see him, he's working at the appliance store. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just a lot of stuff where like things just get maneuvered nicely and just don't ask questions about like the manager getting replaced. That was all part of the plan. He was just bird dogging for Tom Hanks and there's no hurt feelings at all. Just go ahead. And I'm going to get like all that stuff just works out. You know, there's 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 no problems with it. Uh, And there's a lot of things that I think they like, for example. Why does he go up tempo at this thing? Like, I think he's bored playing the song. He knows he's bored playing the song that they're playing. Um and he's just like, hey, it's it's just my one gig. I'm going to do it. Fuck it. What are they going to do? Gonna fire just, me from a band I'm not in? <laughs> I guess I just thought that they could have like it happened so abruptly. Like there's nothing kind of like says that he I mean, I guess they say he's bored. Or like, I don't know. He's bored of the song. It's just more like it's not a challenge. You uh-huh. know, like this isn't challenging him. And then they get to the place and they start up and he just launches right into. uh. There's also the Spartacus angle. Oh, yeah. I don't know what's going on with I am Spartacus or whatever the fuck he's doing in this movie. And like Spartacus is the name of one of these songs that Tom Hanks wrote. This drum riff. Uh, Yeah. Tom Hanks must have a thing for Spartacus. The movie, I assume. Yeah. Like it. So it it came out like three years before in the universes, like in this particular universe. Uh Um. And I think they're trying, you know, it's a Kubrick film that was like a big yep. commercial success. And I think they're trying to like, because they're contrasting him with, with Jimmy. Is that the, the, the band leader, the yeah. front man, the um, lead singer? Uh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. The uh, John Lennon type. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I, I think they're trying always con- contrasting him guy who we know is smart. Mm hmm. Um, against Jimmy, who is seen as like the the smart one, the genius, the musical genius, right? And like, so how do they show that a guy's smart and like uh, in, intelligent uh, without like just saying it? And I think they give him like an affectation where he's a he's a a cinemaphile and he likes Kubrick films, mm-hmm. but it's not like you know. But they also, it's also give- Kubrick's one of his commercial contemporary commercial hits. So it's like not too egghead. And he's he knows who the secretary general of the U.N. is. So he pays attention to Paul. Like there's these subtle things that show that like guy is actually the real brains behind the operation and is the smartest guy in the band. Like Tom Hanks says at the end of the movie, which I, I think-, think it's just that it's just Yeah. Like, well, well he's 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 into this kind of, uh, you know, auteur director. 
yeah in music like being into jazz is like another level deeper on music you're not listening to top 40 radio stuff uh right you're deeper you're not you're not into the beach blanket you're not you're not above you're not above being in a beach blanket bingo type of film Mm -hmm. uh but you don't watch those yourself i think that's what it is uh it is which yeah i i it makes a little bit of sense because i we talked about this before the podcast how old are these kids how old are these people supposed to be? Because I think they're also saying, Hey, he's got a few years on these high school kids and life is teaching him things, right? He's, he's more uh, well-rounded person than the rest of them. I think so. Cause like they established it. And I, of course, I don't know. Um, some of the stuff might just be him bullshitting, but like uh, they, he says that he served. Yeah. Uh, over, but I don't know. Yeah, like I don't know what that means in the context of this time. Uh, like not previous nom post Korea, but like he could have done like shit. There's American servicemen doing tours in Korea right now. Yeah, he was in uh, Germany. Yeah, there's a lot of posts, you know, so like Cold War just kind of like being based around and, you know, tank garages mm-hmm. and airfields and whatnot. But like he's so he's he's graduated co- uh, high school, probably not gone to college, done at least a tour like, you know, got done your four years and your armed services. Mm-hmm. So he's probably in his early to mid twenties. And, but you're right. I think the other kids are seniors in the local high school. I think so. Or maybe I don't, they play a college, uh, talent show. So maybe like one oh, of them is in college. Show. Okay. So maybe they're yeah. all, cause that like that, that makes it cause like if they're all high schoolers, I think there's like, there'd be like something about like trying to get the kids like their parents to sign off permission and things like that. So you and maybe them, they wouldn't be going around fucking music stars uh, and right. driving to Vegas or, and getting married if they were 17. <laughs> yeah. You dodge all those. Like, what does it mean for teenagers to be mixed up with sex, drugs and rock and roll questions right. that we had for almost famous by just having them all be legal adults. I think uh, and, and I no think one worries about it. Yeah. If there's, if we go a level deeper, Spartacus is about, uh, a slave that organizes his fellow slaves to revolt and, you know, essentially fight, fight for their freedom. Okay. Um, and I was trying to look for like, is there a way because like Spartacus is he's saying like, I'm, I'm leading you the way like is, we're supposed to understand that he's trying to keep the guys out of like, you know, the corporate, structure that they're getting locked into but like I don't think because that seems like Jimmy is yeah. the Spartacus of that uh, it does so but like, he's also like emotional and and mm. so impulsive obviously um, mm-hmm. yeah so he's not as level headed as maybe uh, Everett Scott is because there's, there is a little bit of social commentary in a movie this breezy for example, um, I think they're like you're, you're supposed to understand that the guy's dad is fighting this much larger department store that's just moved into town. And this is like the the, the you know premonitions of the Walmarts and the, the Amazons right. to come. But he's like, you know, pissed that they're like how much of their products like they got a new product line. And he's trying to keep up with that. He's got, you know, he's got an organ in his store now and. And uh, God, they're open Sundays, really? You know, like he's open. He's he's opening earlier on Saturday to compete with them. And now he's going to have to open up on Sunday just to make a buck. Like there is a little bit of that, you know, like small time America being taken over by. But it's 
I, I I don't know where that's just to give the character of his dad a little bit of color or if it's actually trying to say something in total totality because this film is yeah. not trying to say much of anything in totality. Not really. Um, yeah, and then that's the thing you say. There's a little bit of that. There is a little bit of that. Like there are maybe three lines in the entire movie that depict yeah. that story that you're pulling out of it. And yeah. I guess that's a credit to Hanks for writing efficiently. Um, because he gets all that across with very few uh, screen minutes. And yeah, I, I think that's in there. I don't think the movie cares to expound. You know, it's like it's, it's creating an atmosphere. And I think that's mm-hmm. all it's doing. Yeah, because even then it's like it's not portrayed as like this is a bad thing they're doing. It's like his dad is like showing as like being stingy. He doesn't want to pay. You know, it doesn't want to make yeah. money, spend money to make money. And maybe, maybe the criticism is like he's spending too much time in the business and not working on the business. He needs to hire more people, <laughs> not just because, like, I think that's all that's working there is his wife, his daughter, and his ki- his son. Oh, yeah. So he's not even paying business. the daughter. Right. Right. Yeah. So, like, maybe hire some people and, you know, uh, uh, then all you got to do is worry about turning on the fucking lights, man. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I thought that was kind of interesting because the other thing is like I'm so trained by these music music biopics or like these fake biopics that I was looking for danger where there was none like right. I I got because I, I didn't remember much about this movie other than the I am Spartacus stuff and the song and Tom Hanks and uh, Liv Tyler but like when they go into the guy's camper and sign a deal under duress I thought like, oh, this is like there's going to be a whole story about how Tom Hanks has to definitely negotiate their way out of this crazy fucking restrictive contract they signed with the nightmare manager that lives in a fucking RV and yeah. is low rent and all that stuff. Nope, nope, nothing. No, not, not was not delivers on every promise. It did catapults them into the national even more star but god did everything he promised and more got him into the right doors like also when you the band shows up at a hollywood thing and they're wearing a goofy costume and they're fake playing like there's band members saying this is making us look silly and then everyone is like no this is going to raise your profile and it's fun and like yep that was it that was a good (laughs) thing for them to do it open doors and like they're (laughs) yeah the trajectory of this movie is is violently upward uh, in not, a linear not a thing straight that, line, yeah. The, not a thing that they do goes wrong until it's time to make the second album, and you've got a creative struggle between the John Lennon and the uh, the 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 manager who wants him to do covers, and and that's the thing. It's like yeah. I don't read between the lines. I'm not sure if like his other music just sucks, and Tom Hanks has got cold feet about it, or if it's like a power. Because at this point, Tom Hanks doesn't like this guy. He's kind of trying to break him, you know. Mm-hmm. So, like, I wasn't even sure, like, what the the deal with that is. Like, is this guy right to be outraged that they're doing covers or is he, you know, I I don't know. Yeah, like, I'm looking at him, at Jimmy and his whole thing in this movie, and I'm thinking he's kind of right about this. Like, you want to ride this train, which is the hit song, that thing you do, as, as much as you can, but you don't want to ride it to its apex and then back down, right? What you want right. to do is ride it about two thirds of the way to the apex and get working on some other shit in the yep. background. That's going to be the next hit. That's going to be the next big thing for you. Whereas Tom Hanks just wants to milk and milk and milk um, and, and, this, and this have 15 people, minutes of fame. Yeah. It, it, I think Jimmy is right, but Jimmy is also very impulsive, right? He's, he's, he doesn't have the, the 
emotional uh, adeptness that he does with his his musical uh, uh, sort of the way he's attuned to the music is not compatible with the way his his emotional state works. Well, see, so I'm not that's another question I had. I'm not sure if like Tom Hanks is like literally trying to milk the 15 minutes and like just milk it dry. I think he's got to carefully like the whole like, well, if they OK, boys, if they want an encore, you run, you unplug and you run off the stage like he's trying to manage their spot. Like, because he knows that they're mm-hmm. just a one hit wonder right now. So, like, how do you build that into a frenzy? You just you just give the people that one thing they want more. and You don't give it to him. You don't give them to him. When you finally give it to him, it's like a it's like a little like cover B side album that's just a tease. Like you're just trying to build this like fame and get it higher and higher. And like maybe he's right, but it's just not what you know the other guy wants to do. He wants to get to his his sophomore album and and you know do his his, his serious stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, I look at the because, way the die is it Diane. It's the other like the famous. Uh, star right. that jimmy is sort of sort of infatuated it never goes anywhere i as best i can tell yeah. it's like not a source of tension in the group at all that he's flirting live live the, the um live tyler does notice it Faye, she does like notice yeah. some but of the things and kind of furrows her brow yeah it's like it, yeah it pushes them apart a little bit certainly yeah um, but there's yeah. never like that that catalyst moment that just destroys everything. Yeah, the most it goes is she sits on his lap during a standard she's singing. Right, for uh, two seconds and then gets back yeah. up. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's fairly innocent, all things considered. Um, mm-hmm. and, but, but the way she talks about, like, the record label and Playtone and the fucking disgusting pig of a CEO or whatever mm-hmm. uh, of the record label that this guy is makes me think that that is sort of, this is the formula and we just milk these artists for everything they're worth. And then we let their star fade um, because her star is definitely fading. And she seems pretty bitter about that, about the way she was treated. Uh, so I don't know yeah. if they're deliberately trying to do that or if this is just like, well, Diane's style of music is going out because these new rocker kids are coming in. Cause that's the other thing I was like, man, like music, it continues same to this day. Like if something's hot, it's not going to be hot in five years and you have to either. Right. Just really commit yourself to the core sound and then accept a shrinking fan base. You know, as your thing becomes less hot, you yeah. just kind of maintain the fans that you've got or you try to reinvent things, which has, you know, could alienate your core fan base. There's all kinds of the risks of that. But like, yeah, I wasn't sure what to make of that. Um, the meeting the industry guy other than, you know, uh, Jimmy getting too full of himself and thinking that he could have the ear of this guy and that he would take him seriously as an artist. So yeah, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe they just do the pump, artist. just do pump and, and dump these guys. And you like, it seems like it's a good move because in universe, Jimmy, you know, quits and then becomes a front man for an even bigger band. Yeah. So, like, a big record producer later on. Yeah. What's so maybe that is like, uh, if you, if you, if you look back with the knowledge of the whole movie, that guy in the camper was a bad deal that you're essentially put, getting yourself into like an assembly line, uh, studio that's just going to shit out stuff and not develop you and pump you and dump you. <laughs> but I go back to Jimmy Fallon's character and almost famous. Like mm-hmm. some, you need that stuff to get to where you want because you want to play the arenas, right? You want to be the Beatles yeah. and you're not going to get there. If it's just Ethan Embry looking at his fucking fingers while he's playing guitar or playing bass, 
you don't have the skill set to take yourself that far. So you need people like this. There's there's a symbiosis of sorts too. It's just you know, does everybody have everybody else's best interest at heart? And and are you you know, one in a million or are you a dime a dozen? Right? Like, mm. could they mm-hmm. find fifteen other O'Neaters bands and mm-hmm. Billboard chart them if you guys say no? And I think mm-hmm. that's the latter is probably true. Yeah, and I, I, it was it was neat. Like the like Tom Hanks coming in and like just do it being like uh, given everything. He's like a realtor that's like, ah, don't worry about the floor, the carpets, but maybe a flat, uh, change all the fixtures and a fresh coat of paint and plant some azaleas out here. And that's that's what you yeah. need. Front right, door is the only real... thing that matters. The only are. Yeah, paint that thing red. You're good to go. But like he's like instantly comes in and just diagnoses like you gotta get this one eater shit out of here. You're just the wonders. Uh, yeah. And you guys uh, are are nice boys, uh, and nice boys wear suits. You're going to be matching suits, but not you. You got something going on. We're put eyeglass. You're going to be the bad boy, and and it all fucking works. Like it's and it's yeah. fun. Like there's this um chart rising montage where they're doing cute things, like going all over the United States. They're dancing on a map of the United States, which I thought that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But like you know that ev- like there's this thing where uh, one of the MCs at the event affects his eyeglasses like because he's trying to be cool like the drummer and like there's like like tom cut to tom hanks looking smug you know it's working there when you've got like the promoters doing your shtick like it all is starting to like you know steamroll and work and all that Mm -hmm. i I thought that was that was cool um yeah some of my favorite scenes are them being micromanaged at right as they're about to go on stage by tom hanks he's like adjusting jackets and and finding the glasses and testing them out on him and like you got your pick you got your pick he says to the bass player yeah he's always puffing them up like uh have i I told you boys you look really good in that blank suits like the black suits the red suits the gold suits like he's always saying yeah yeah yeah. have i told you guys today yet you look fantastic in the (laughs) okay now get uh, out there go yeah now get out there and and unplug and run at the end yeah um I thought that there's a lot of really fun scenes like the scene where Liv Tyler hears them on the radio and she runs sh- like this it's this joy running sh- scene shrieking she grabs a bass player uh, and they start run scream they all go to the store and they just like take it over with their youthful yeah. enthusiasm when like, wind- that's that's such a great scene um, although did you notice how Liv Tyler licks stamps it's disgusting. She, I never want to get an envelope uh, letter from her because it is guaranteed to be covered with saliva. That's true, but I wouldn't mind her licking my stamp because she's just uses every part of the mouth for it. Oh my god, she does. Like, she does. Wow, did someone direct her to do that, or is that just how Liv Tyler licks no. a stamp? Because my wife freaked out when she saw that. She could not believe what she was seeing. Yeah, man, she's fat lipping it. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> no, but I love that scene. That scene is so good. It's it's it is. iconic. It goes it's, on forever, but it's it's like it's yeah. five minutes long of then just running around and like it. it it's it, I think it might be also the the only time you hear about the whole damn song. Yeah, this so. in the montage. Um, yeah. So you kind of like you because you, you, I kind of wanted to. It's like God, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm tired of hearing just a bridge and the uh, and and the movie kind of earns like these people running around like goofballs for three, four minutes. Um, 
and all of them feel are goofballs. Like so, there, there is such quirky acting in this. Like Steve Zahn is yes. is a weird actor, makes strange choices, which work almost always. Uh, he's hilarious. Uh, Ethan Embry plays this nerdy, uh, you know, not confident at all, kind of goofy kid, and that works. No. I, I know you, you're not a fan. Uh, but he just, it's just the same thing. I watched Empire yeah, Records yeah. this weekend too because I had a little bit of a Liv Tyler. I went on a Liv Tyler kick. Um, and he's just the same fucking guy in every movie I've seen him in. The one time um, I've seen him play against type is in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I think he plays Rold, Roly's boss. Oh, right. Uh, who's not one to let him off work or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, he plays against type there. But yeah, and then Tom Everett Scott is has this goofy uh, kind of. I don't I don't know. I don't know how to describe him, but he's very quirky, too. You know, Every, everybody here has their own quirk that makes like this whole group really fun to be with throughout this movie. And this scene mm-hmm. is like the epitome of that, where they're all dancing and their dad's like, what the hell? You know, he can't mm-hmm. understand what's going mm-hmm. on here. He's you got to blow the speakers. <laughs> right. This, the previous night he's told them not to get on the high fives with his music. And now right here it's on every and I love the sound design in that too. It it sounds like they, what they did is grabbed a bunch of radios and played this song through them and just recorded that because like there's a slight off off timing to all of this. Yeah. Um, that it really makes it sound like you're in that room with them. This whole scene works so well. And it gets loud, like as they turn on each hi-fi and yeah. each clock radio, the like somehow they compress the sound so it sounds like it's getting louder until it's like that's literally all you hear is the yeah. you know, by the time they're wrapping up and the closing bars of song, it's just like just there might even not even be dialogue except for for that that the uh, the singing. Yeah, it's great. Uh I really like there's so many great scenes. I really liked uh the the surf rock movie they're making where they start as captain Geach and the shrimp shack shooters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the callback later yep. on where they're talking about their musical in, uh, influences and Steve's on just dead pans. Oh, it does. Yeah. huge influence. Captain Geach and the shrimp shack shooters. Like, yeah. What can you say about them? Yeah. Hilarious. Um, and Tom Hanks reaction to that every time. It's just like, Jesus <laughs> man. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah and they just that's that but that's a fun scene but also shows like the disconnect between the band they're like like look how amazing it is we're sitting here in a hollywood production and a major movie thing and we're being we're versus like jimmy who just wants to get back in the studio and make his fucking power ballads like oh we look ridiculous and yeah. like steve's on's like no we don't we look like cool like cool rock stars in hollywood playing rock stars in a hollywood film which He's 100% right about. I mean, Elvis made like 50 of these movies, right? Come on. Oh, hell yeah. And they're a fucking ton of fun, mm-hmm. you know? Um, just being Elvis. Now, they're not starring in this one, they're, but but still, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, again, that's not the type of artist he wants to be. Yeah. He wants to be some, something else. Um, but uh, then um so you you mentioned and i was surprised you did not like Liv tyler in this film yeah uh, i i don't know is Liv tyler a, a good actress i or actor first of I, all how can you be a fan of the leftovers and ask a serious uh, ask okay. a serious question of Liv tyler can act all because right no, of she's great of course she can but like all the other stuff i like i don't know maybe this era 
of Liv Tyler. It just doesn't do it for me. Do you think anyone else's tummy could pull off the, the <laughs> animal cracker scene in Armageddon? I are think you, that could have been Matt Damon and you never would have <laughs> known. He'd have been 10 <laughs> times better. Oh, and that scene God. would be five times funnier. Uh, you might, you might be right. Uh, I but, don't know. Yeah, I've always okay. liked Liv Tyler. I like her in Jersey Girl. I like her in Lord of the Rings. I like Jersey her in Empire Girl. Records. I Isn't like her. In yeah. Netflix. No, that was a well. Yes, it is. It is. It's a, it's another Kevin Smith. Oh, is one of his terrible. Ser- I I don't know. I, I mean, seen maybe, it. but she wasn't. She was amazing in it. Uh, it's I don't the know. Speech. She's like, it's the speech. The speech is fucking cheesy. It's so bad. It's such a garbage speech. I'm sorry, Mr. Hanks. You wrote a garbage turning point for this film. You think so? Yeah. Gosh, because like to I me, wasted it's like so I think many that's kisses on you, and all those kisses could have been. Could have been Hershey's bars and I could have eaten them all. But no, you got to eat them and I want my kisses back and I storm out the door. I don't know. I hated it. I hate that speech. It's a sweet scene by a sweet girl because that's I think that's the whole point is she uh, has never had her heart broke before. And she really loved this boy and threw her her hole into it like her all into it. Like she's like their <laughs> like promoter too. <laughs> God. Oh damn! <laughs> well, we saw the stamp. Maybe more than you know with the stamp situation. Uh, <laughs> oh God! I, I I just thought that that was the whole point. Is like here's a sweet girl who is completely naive and is loved with her whole heart and used her heart like a hanky to blow your nose into. And uh, she's special. She's special because she's she's that willing to like just put whatever she's doing. I mean, like I said, this is kind of you're getting into like I don't I don't like. If you take this literally, it's it's yeah. wrapping back around to being garbage uh, takes. But like, yeah, if you have a person that like believes in you that much and you don't take it seriously and you just like throw it away and you do it in like a classless way like this guy did. Like he got like, what did he get all mm-hmm. butthurt about the engagement that uh, somebody thing? on at the TV station put up a thing that said they're engaged? I Yeah. But why? They've been dating because like, they established that they dated for almost three years seemed pretty serious this is the 60s like also like it's also kind of marketing you know like hey you got you got if you got a bad boy you got to have a good boy and the good boy has got you know uh a, a sweetheart that he's serious about and he's going to marry and like the you know like the girls are jealous about that but like if you want you know there's the bad boy right. who's single and the steve's on who's single and all that it's part of the marketing mm-hmm. and I don't know. It's almost felt like he was champing at that bit as much as he was at just the idea that he was going to be stuck with. I, I don't know. I, I thought that was one of those things where the movie took an abrupt turn and I wasn't quite mm-hmm. wasn't quite sure what to make of it. But I guess I don't know. They didn't. They showed that he was like kind of infatuated with this more mature singer that has, you know, a little bit further ahead in her career and yeah. comes across as worldly wise. And like, you know, he's got this naive girl who closes her eyes when she kisses him. I thought that speech was great. And okay. uh, for this character, like not every, you know, like not every person could deliver this. Not every character could deliver the speech and not have it come across as cheesy, but, or if it is come across as cheesy, it's, it's, it's sincere. And it works because it's that, you know, I just want to get Tom Hanks in a room and I want to say, Mr. Hanks, how dare you? I wasted so many seconds, all those seconds <laughs> on this scene that I wasted that I could have had back. But I spent them on you and they're all for nothing. 
I did also that they really set up Tom for a spike where he's like, who who approved that verbiage anyway? And he's like, the same person that said you had class, Jimmy. <laughs> so he walks out the door. Yeah. This band was doomed anyway. They already lost a basis to, uh, uh, I don't know, a detachment of Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lenny turns into a degenerate gambler. Like yep. the scene of him like weeping, uh, getting married to this. Who was she? Like a Vegas lounge singer or something. He's got his arms full of chips. And they, they that was a fun thing. Like throughout the whole movie, he's trying to get a card game going. Uh-huh. And, like hustling people. Like it's like all these like and and uh, what is the is the basis really not have a name? I Apparently. thought he was like, to- huh? The, but they, when they say that, like, what's his face? Uh, where is what's his face? They refer to him as something or do they say, where's the bass player? Does he literally just call him the bass player? Uh, apparently, I didn't notice. and I didn't go back and watch it a second time to try and notice. But yeah, in the credits, to. he's TB player. And that's a standard for the bass player. And I guess yeah. Ethan Embry said in an interview that he thought of the TB player to be Tobias player. Was right. his, his full name, but the movie never I, gives him a name, I guess. And I thought they referred to him. Maybe that I'm uh, getting this transposed, but I thought that they referred to him as Toby, too, which would, would oh, make maybe? sense. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. But yeah, I, I like that everyone had their like, little bitty arcs. Um, and the one, you know, the guy guy's the one that came, comes out of this the best. Like, you know, he wants to be he doesn't care about money. Uh, he just likes jazz. And the scene yeah. where he gets to go to the good jazz club <laughs> and meet his idol. And then at the end where, you know, uh, essentially the band finally flames out. Like you can't have the, the guy with the sunglasses. You built the whole brand around and the lead singer. You got to have those two to have a band. Right. Right. Uh, and, you know, Jimmy walks off in a huff, quits. And Tom Hanks, who's not a bad guy. He's like, hey, you know, uh, the session's paid for. You got to get the fuck out of your hotel rooms, but uh, feel free to jam. So he does. He attracts his 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 jazz idol. They get to jam together. He gets the girl implied at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guy wins. And even in the uh, after credits or the the credits where they you know do the thing where they fake tell you where everyone fake went. You know, he's, he's he has uh, some kids. He settles down to uh, an island uh, off uh, the coast of Washington State. Does all right with himself. Smartest, yeah. like 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 Tom said. Uh, like Tom said, you're the smart one. And Faye's uh, a special one. And I I like this background for this character a lot, that he's really into jazz and that he's like, you know, the music aficionado of the group mm-hmm. knows more about it probably than any of them. Because, uh, I, I don't know, jazz drummers are pretty well respected in the drumming community because they employ a lot of varying techniques, unlike, let's say, a rock drummer who, you know, if you can be a jazz drummer, you can sure as hell be a rock drummer. Yeah, like um, if you can be a classic guitarist, you can play metal. Like you know, well, I mean, metal is a metal is definitely yeah, true, a thing. If you go deep into metal, yeah. If you're playing Alice thinking, Cooper, yeah, maybe you can you could probably jam on that for uh, <laughs> ever. But like you know, you get into Pantera and some uh, Norwegian death metal shit, Swedish shit. Yeah, that stuff gets crazy. But yeah, yeah I, I like him being a jazz drummer. And man, I could watch Tom Everett Scott watching jazz all day. 
all day that mm. he's just sitting there with his head bobbing yeah. you know going to town completely to vibing guys. yeah like and i also like the you know like he had to go through an interview process to get access to the good jazz club uh-huh yeah like uh let's see let's see oh okay yeah take him to the good jazz club <laughs> there was so alexis and i oh. went to this uh bar downtown here in cincinnati that i think has since closed it was this place that was like hidden behind it was like a Almost like it set up like a speakeasy where it was hidden behind this movie rental store. And oh, you I go in talking about that on lunch. Yeah. And there is a dude at the counter and a whole bunch of VHS tapes up like it would be a rental store, except very small. Right. It's just a, a front, a literal front. Right. Uh, and, and the guy walks in and you say, you know, he, he just asks you, hey, what, uh, what movie was this guy in in 1984 or whatever? And he describes the plot of the movie. And then you have to guess what the movie is. You have to go over to the wall find the movie and bring it back to the counter and then they'll let you in. And I felt like, yeah, there, there's a little bit of that with it. Mm. Uh, with this is a Lamar is the, the hotel clerk or I, yeah. The, the, the owner of the hotel. Apparently, apparently it's his <laughs> hotel. He's great. His hotel. Uh, but yeah, that whole process was kind of neat. I like that. Yeah. It feels yeah, fun. It cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's this movie is it's, it's fun and it's cool. Yep. And it's pretty much inconsequential. Um, I gotta, I gotta see the Tom Hanks, uh, extended cut. Yeah. Hopefully it's got more of Captain Geach and the shrimp shack shooters. That's, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I need more of in this, this film. Sure. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Cause I'm, I'm running out of, uh, running I, out of, uh, steam. I think there's also something that they're saying here with like session or studio musicians versus the stars, right? The big, uh, mm popular bands those things tend to like flare up and flame out Mm -hmm. uh eventually because of the egos involved because people aren't level-headed they aren't smart whereas like you know um guy becomes essentially a studio drummer he gets in with del paxton and records some music and then um there's a scene where they bring in this new bassist right wolf wolf man i think is his name Mm -hmm. and he he can shred. He can fucking shred. And this is often the case that session drummer or session musicians, oh, studio yeah. musicians are. And unless you have a fucking superstar like Axel or something, uh, you're not going to fucking get a musician better than a studio musician because they have to learn music incredibly quickly and play incredibly accurately mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're recording shit all the time. Yeah. So they're really good. And I think they were saying something about like, Wolf Manly, Wolf Manly, Wolf Man is so good because he's a session musician. And Tom Everett Scott guy is going to be the session musician because he's so good at what he does. He's not going to be the the yeah, crazy like the out jazz there rock guy star. says bands come and go, but the music is forever. Yeah. Like you got to just keep playing. And mm-hmm. that sounds like, you know, being being a, uh, like you said, a session musician, because that's the thing I've always heard, too, is that like your average, you know, session guitar player is going to be better than all, but maybe the top five currently, you know, in a band. Uh, yeah. You have to be slash. You have to be fucking yeah. Joe Satriani. You got to be right, those guys right, right, right. to be any better than a session musician. Yeah. 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 And you got, you know, you got the guys like, you know, Prince, Eric Clapp, like guys yeah. that are famous and very, very, very skilled. Mm hmm. But uh, a lot of times, probably the, the sixth best guitar player in America is someone you've never heard, but except for you have, he's been in 15 different 
albums that just he's uncredited, you know? Yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing I wanted to mention is a quirky thing that this movie does right at the very end. Lamar breaks the fourth wall. He looks right into the camera and I think all but winks uh, after the kiss. Yeah. It's a little weird uh-huh. to me. It was a weird way to end the film. Yeah. But also uh-huh. whimsical. I mean, the whole movie has a whimsical quality. A little magical it. realism. I think yeah. the whole thing, because that's the thing I, uh, I thought about uh, Empire Records is like, oh my God. Uh, none of this ever fucking had like this. Like no. it's it's a special type of like. There's a lot of movies that are made like that where everything goes together to save something, some unconventional thing that never would have worked in a real Airheads world. Airheads you know? is like that with Brendan Fraser, Steve Buscemi, yeah, UHF uh, with Al. Yeah, <laughs> weird yeah. Al. Like there's <laughs> this like things like well this this place has never existed to be in jeopardy, and if it ever was in jeopardy, the town's never going to come together to save it because if they really loved it that much, then why the hell is it like scraping by? Um, yeah, but like there is like there is a lot of like because yeah they don't like like they just sandblast all of the problems with the music this industry and it's just it's just good times and vibes which I was in the mood for uh, when I watched this in the summer when it's now in the middle of fall uh, sure <laughs> right uh, there is actually a UHF connection here did you recognize the photographer in no this movie when they're at the the big record label soiree or whatever. He no. is Gary Watanabe, who plays oh, the yes. no fish, the, the fish guy, the fish game. I can't remember in UHF. Wheel of fish. Wheel of fish. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, Red snapper. Very you tasty. Get nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He had a he had a whole like he was big in the 80s. Like, uh, uh-huh. like I, he was in a bunch of different stuff. I think he was in gung ho with uh, Michael Keaton. Uh, yes. UHF. This movie. Uh, what a career. <laughs> he's in a bunch of other stuff too but yeah sure, plays minor sure. parts in this is he related to Ken? I don't Watanabe? think so uh, mm. no and he also does not speak Japanese even though he's always stereotyped with this thick sure uh, Eastern Asian accent yeah 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 of course of course why wouldn't he that's it that's all I got alright well that thing you do we did that thing and I really enjoy get to see, getting to see it again. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a movie that's going to put a smile on your face. It's really fun to see uh, people who, you know, like Brian Cranston, again, just walking on doing a cameo. I cannot tell you how much that blew my mind. Right. Uh, Tom Hanks with an absolute baby face. Uh, seen, sure. I've been seeing old man Hanks last 10 years, and he just is like, I would have believed if he told me he's 34. I think he was just turned 40. Yeah. Um. You know, Liv Tyler, uh, like, a, 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 again, Charlize Theron, right. almost unrecognizably, she's so baby-faced. Uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, and I highly recommend uh, checking it out on its 25th anniversary. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back uh, again with another piece of prestige film, or hopefully a television show one of these days. Uh, follow us along at baldmove.com and on Twitter if you want to stay up with the latest uh, uh, goings-on in the Bald Move Empire. Again, thank you for joining us for that thing you do. We'll see you on the next one. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.